You are listening to the Mick and Mac GAA Football Podcast. Playing very well. You wonder why he didn't start. Here's Dennis Glennon taking on Kelly. He's going to be hard to get by, but Glennon has got through for West Mead. Takes his point. Okay, hello and welcome back to the Mick and Mac GA Football Podcast. It's just me, Mick, today, unfortunately, but delighted to be joined by Terrell's Pass and Westmead footballer Dennis Glennon. Dennis, how's things? Very good, Mick. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, how's the lockdown been for you? Um, I suppose a little bit different than, than usual, but not a lot changed for me. I'm a guard, so I'm on the front line, so I'm still getting up and going through my daily process and going to work and coming home and minding kids, so... <laughs> Thankfully, I suppose they've had a little bit more normality than most people. It's just on that, though, I suppose, being guided. So how, has the role changed any, at all since the lockdown started? Uh, yeah, it has. I suppose we're a lot more busier, you know. We're um, out doing checkpoints a lot more than we would have previously been doing, you know. Just to try and regulate, uh, I suppose, the restrictions as best we can under the circumstances. T- telling people to go home. <laughs> well no I suppose trying to help people along and advise yeah, them as yeah. best we can to not try and keep this from spreading a bit further than it has already yeah yeah I suppose that's all you can do uh, I suppose so growing up in uh, Westmead you're in Terrell's Pass aren't you? Terrell's yeah. Pass yeah but I suppose I grew up in Crohn so <laughs> I've uh, have a bit of awful blood in me oh, alright okay okay and it was would football always been something you wanted to do growing up play county yeah, yeah. I suppose it was um, at a young age, I suppose when I was about nine, I didn't really play much sport at all and I think my mother brought me down to uh, community games, kind of competition and I just got in for a 100 metre sprint and I managed to win it and I suppose after that I realised maybe I was, it was something I was good at, was athletics and it, from there I took off kind of, you know, I realised I, I, I love sport and I got involved with the GA in Rochford Bridge at the time before we moved to Crohan and um, that's really where it took off for me. So when you when you moved to um, to Westmead and you're playing club there, would you have much underage success? Yeah, I suppose when I I moved at a very young age, so I I moved um, to Crohn when I was ten, so okay. I would have played under I suppose under under tens I think for Rochester Bridge, and we would have won whatever we had at that stage. Yeah. Then competition, and then I moved as I said, and. Uh, uh, got involved with Crohan and got involved with Road GA. So um, I suppose they were, they were the household football and places in Offaly. So it, it helped me develop that a little bit further again. Just moving forward then, I suppose. Um, 2004 was the big year for uh, Westmead. Um, you weren't on the panel in 2003, am I right in saying? Yeah, I suppose I was 17. So Yeah, you were young. <laughs> Yeah, I was very young and I suppose I was still in school and I was playing with the under-21, so I don't think I would have been let go of his appearance even if I was called in, but um, Paddy came in and I suppose at that stage I think everyone wanted to play, so my yeah. parents couldn't hold me back from going to those trials. <laughs> <laughs> and you gave your debut against Loud in the O'Byrne Cup? Yeah, that's what it was, yeah, it's first game out and I suppose I just got to play with a lot of players that I suppose I looked up to when I was growing up. I have pictures at home play or as a youngster standing beside the likes of Damien Healy and Damien Gavin. And all of a sudden I was on the pitch with him. So it was a, a very surreal moment for me. 
So, so when you come into that Westmead panel and Paddy O'Shea's there, so what's he saying to you now when you first game you're going out? I suppose I, I've often said this, when he came into the dressing room, you could hear a pin drop, you know, and this was even in front of all these senior players that were growing up, they were listening to him. And uh, the first thing he said was like, you know, I've won this and I've this is what I've achieved in the game. And of course, when someone says that, you start to listen because you obviously want to try and do as, much, as well as you can. And the best way to do that is to listen to someone that has already been there and achieved it. Yeah. And you was a, that league campaign he's had that year, he's kind of struggled at the start of it. Was it am I right in saying that Mayo victory was uh, kept us up on the last day? Yeah, it was, but it was Division One, so every game was tough. Um, but I, looking back on it now, I just remember Paddy after every game. There was no panic, there was no stress. He didn't mind. He says he doesn't change his mentality until championship comes around. And we could see that when championship did come around, you know. But the last game against Mayo was a very important game for us because it was so close to championship. And you could see there was a different mentality in the dressing room. You could see there was a different type of aggression coming from the backroom team. And that fed into the, I suppose, the players. And I think at that stage, Paddy knew who was his best 15. And I think we were in a better place, I suppose, going into championship, you know. He probably didn't put much focus on the league then. Was it, was it, would, tra- would you have seen that in training? Like, was it probably more relaxed before going into championship, as I said there? Got more aggressive yeah. than we done? It was, yeah. Like the, I suppose during the league, we were training very, very hard. Um, you know, I suppose back then, training was a different type of training. It was a lot more laps as well. We used to be out in a, a place called Balmagor, and there was a sand trap set up. So the sand was up to your knees. And we were doing constant 100-meter sprints up and down this sand track until eventually we were getting sick, you know. Oh, but it was building so. muscles, it was building a mentality. And I said, we were doing that the whole way through the league. So uh, it was fairly obvious there that, that the management were more concerned about championship and building, I suppose, athletes to compete at that level during that time of the year. And just on the train itself, would Paddy been doing it much? Or was it more Tomas and Flair to do most of the training? I kind of get the yeah, vibe that Paddy was the kind of guy that just liked to chat the lads and give them advice in their ear. Yeah, it was a combination of both, really. You know, it was Tomas did take the training sessions a bit more than Paddy, but you were always very conscious that Paddy was there watching and observing and taking notes. But there was also a gentleman by the name of Parag Lynn who was our gym instructor, and I suppose he was a player, a person over the years that perhaps didn't get the same credit as the other two. Men, but he was every bit as important to the team because he was, he was, I suppose, advising Tomas because he was a trained physical fitness guy and he was the one doing the gym work in the background. And as I said, we, I believe 100% that we were conditioned the way we were because of him more so than a lot of the other, other backroom stuff that were there. And just, you know, you're talking about training there. In comparison to maybe the late, latter years of your inter-county career, what was the massive differences in training just before the start, between the start and the kind of end of the career? Yeah, well, I suppose at the start of the year, or the start of my career, it was a lot of long distance running, you know. You were just constantly going at a certain pace, and uh, it was more about getting mileage into the legs that you could, you know, you could last and play any position. Uh, more in the latter end of the years, it became more like, you know, the type of... Um, speed work in and out there was the you could say the ladders to help you just cover short distances and 
played specific roles because mm. the game turned into a kind of a, a role type of game. You played a certain position and that's the position they wanted you to play and you had to perfect, I suppose, or condition your body to do that. So going forward, was it right in saying that Marooned, that documentary was out with Film Dogs uh, to that summer, wasn't it? Um, so would there have been a lot of cameras around training and stuff at the time? Yeah, they were around the whole time, but <laughs> I think at the time we were oblivious to what they were doing. We were just kind of, I suppose our mindset was that they were there watching body yeah. more so than they were watching us. And it wasn't until I suppose it was over that we realised that they were documenting the whole thing. But uh, they were there in nearly every training session. So it was, it was something very unusual for us to see. Yeah, yeah. He was a showman, wasn't he? He was good, on, he was good for the cameras. <laughs> he was, but I, look, at, even behind the cameras, he was... Uh, he was a character, you know, and an individual that was, he had ways of dealing with certain players and getting the best out of them that I suppose the cameras didn't see either. And sure. yeah. something I spoke about in the past and, um, you know, he deserves huge credit for that, you know. Yeah. So you, you get your championship debut against Oxley, I believe. Yourself and uh, Gary Condon made the deb- your debuts. Um, how, how was that for yourself? How were the nerves going into that game? Yeah, it was, it was very nerve-wracking, you know, but I suppose it's something as a young person growing up, it's what you want, you've always wanted to do. You always wanted to walk out the tunnel in Crow Park and, uh, you know, experience that atmosphere. And, you know, I, I suppose the nerves weren't there because I knew the work was done and I was uh, excited to get out onto that pitch and show what I could do, especially at that young age where you don't have that fear. You don't have the same nerves as you have when you get older because... You know, if it's it's just a game to you then, the older you get, they actually start to mean a lot more because you know that they're coming to an end and they're harder to win. But at that time, I was, I suppose, more excited than anything and I enjoyed it. And you scored two points that day, am I right in saying? Or is that... I, I can't remember, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I scored. You, yeah. Um, you, um, you think you actually look at the points here. Dublin, they got two points as well, Leash and Derry. So for your first season, it was a great start, I suppose. They're going on to that Dublin game. That must have been the big one. Um, yeah. That was, it was yeah. a very, very... It's an experience, I suppose. Even though I've played Dublin so many times since, it, this one, it, st- it stood out to me. And uh, I think it stood out so much because it was party coming back to, coming back to Dublin where there's so much rivalry between Kerry and Dublin. When we were driving in, like the atmosphere was... I suppose it can be very intimidating. And it was, I suppose, for a 19-year-old that was coming in for his first championship, you know, outing against Dublin in Crow Park. You could see the crowds outside the pubs, you know. They were intimidating. They were giving the hand gestures to us <laughs> in Dublin. They were trying to, you know, put us off our game. But uh, we were focused. And I suppose our mindset was, our mindset was ready for that game. But it was a, an unbelievable experience. And i never forget the roar when we came out of, the, uh, you know, uh, coming out from under the stand, I wanted to pitch that day. It's the one that sticks with me more than anything. And what, what does Paddy say to you before that game going against Dublin? I imagine he was very passionate. Yeah, well, I suppose his team talks never really changed too much um, in championship. It didn't matter who you were playing, but it was just that passion. It was that aggression. He was, you know, once he started banging the table, you knew it was on. You know, <laughs> when he started hitting that table, you know. Our heart started to pump, and it was something that I suppose even now when I go out play a match and you know I see other managers there, I start pounding the table because it was something that got me up at that stage and it stayed with me, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
and then the the final itself. Um, the first game, obviously, you draw with Leash, the Leinster final. Um, what 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 describe Westmead before the final itself? I'd say it was pandemonium. Nearly the excitement was intense. Yeah, it was. It was massive. But uh, again, you had a gentleman that was over the team that had experienced far bigger games than that, and uh, yeah, he was, he managed to keep us down. He spoke in a very calm manner. You know. He just got us focused. He got our mindset where it needed to be so that when we did enter, I suppose, Tuesday or Crow Park on that day, that we were ready for it and we weren't nervous, you know. There was a couple of players that was every game, you knew they were nervous. Brian Morley uh, from Winningham Shamrocks at the time, he always got sick before the game. He's and uh, as soon as you seen Brian Morley going towards the bathroom, you knew <laughs> it was time for action. <laughs> Poor Brian, you mind just saying that now? <laughs> no, uh, he's well used to it. We gave him enough stick of over all the years. So, obviously, the first game goes to the draw itself. Um, I mean, when the replay comes, do you change anything in between those two matches or do you just kind of keep yourself focused going into the replay? Yeah, I suppose I, uh, after the first game, you know, I think I, I'll never forget that game because I had a good game that day and I'd, I'd keep five from playing. I said, you know, this is exactly what I've always dreamed to do. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, I found, I found us back to a draw. And then I thought, geez, we could lose this game here. And I said, yeah. was, this, was this all going to be taken away, this dream? And then, of course, we were given the opportunity of another game. And even though we were disappointed we didn't win the game, we knew we had another opportunity. And we went back to Port Marnock Hotel and we got around together. And I think that's where that famous... Um, there was a couple of famous quotes that came came out of the camp from then. And one from Paddy was was that a good detective is never off duty. <laughs> so we knew that the game was over, but we weren't off duty. We had to stay focused and our mindset had to stay the same. And, you know, we did, in fairness, and we focused towards playing the next game. And uh, you could see that uh, when the game started, certain players that got a little bit more of, of a, excuse the French, but a bollock in from Paddy. Yeah stood up like Alan Mangan and kicked four points from play like the the final. Like it was phenomenal the way he was able to do that. But, uh, but just on that, how hard was that to get yourself back up for um, the replay? Because obviously in Westmead, you wouldn't have been used to getting provincial finals at that time. Um, was it really hard after all the excitement of the first game to like keep yourselves focused going into the second one? Um, well, I suppose I can only speak for myself. And I, I was young, I suppose, naive. Um, I hadn't experienced, um, I suppose, not getting there because it was my first year. So to me, it was the norm nearly at yeah, that stage. Yeah. So we were in this position and I was playing with terrific footballers like Desi and Alan Mangan and Paul Conway. Jim, I, I could name the, the players that I played with. I was lucky enough to play with no four were some of the best players that Westmead have ever had. So I suppose the mindset for... For me, going in was kind of the same as it was the first day. You know, I was still the young lad coming in. I was watching the older players, and I watched the way they were going into the game. And none of them seemed to have any fear. They looked like they were ready for action. So I suppose that made me more comfortable. And how were how were the celebrations afterwards? <laughs> um, <laughs> can't remember them too well to be honest. But uh, yeah, they were phenomenal. Yeah, they were. So they were something that I suppose they were once in a lifetime sort of a thing. Uh, I can remember stopping off in Kinney Gad on the way back, and there was an elderly gentleman brought onto the bus, and I think he was the first, the last surviving member of the first team, or the only team before us that played that Leinster final, and he walked on. 
and you could see what it meant to him, you know, and that stood with me and there was thousands of people knocking on the windows, knocking on the doors, but when that gentleman came on, everything went quiet. The respect was there for, for him and, uh, you know, it meant so much to him. So we knew that something special was after happening, but we didn't realise until we came back to Moneygar how special when there was, I'd say, 30, 40, could have been even more, was people hanging out of light, the lights that were on the, you know, on the side of the streets and stuff, just to get a view of the players coming off the bus. It was, you know, it was phenomenal. It would have been hard then, I suppose, for you to stay focused going into that quarterfinal um, against Derry, obviously, because there's such a massive celebration in Westmead. I mean, how, how did you come back down from that, essentially? Yeah, I suppose we got the week to kind of enjoy ourselves. And then, of course, body kickstrap straight back into that mindset of championship football straight away. And he turned things. It's over now, lads. You've done that. We have another challenge. And uh, in fairness, he did the best he could, but uh, we were a group of guys that weren't used to being in that position. So it was a tough job for him. But he got us as prepared as he prob probably could under the circumstances. I think if we had another week, I think we would have been definitely in a better position going into that there again. You, yeah, you're just probably still celebrating going into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I noticed even in the second half that the legs were getting a little bit, I suppose, more like jelly than they had in any of the other games. But uh, look at us, I suppose. They were mistakes that we picked up when we were young. <laughs> We've learned from them yeah. since. No, no regrets, though. No, I've no regrets in football. As I said, um, every time I went out to play, I enjoyed it and I tried my best. And, Look, I had an awful lot of bad days in a maroon jersey, but I suppose I was lucky enough to have the best day in a maroon jersey, and, and I'm extremely grateful for that. And I remember a, a, a very important figure in my life at the time was my grandfather, who would have played for Offaly and his brothers, and they were nearly the driving force behind. And he got to see me, you know, make history as a footballer, and he died the following year. And I, I suppose my biggest disappointment was he didn't see me win a club championship the following year, you know. Yeah. And you just mentioned mentioned the club championship. You got the final right against St Vincent's. Yeah, we got the we got to the final. Yeah, we we won our first championship in 06, and we got to the semi final in Moorfield Meadows that day. And the following year, we we won the championship here, and we got to the final. And Vincent beat us. Yeah. And McConnelly got, got a a goal. He lobbed our goalie from 30 yards. And I suppose other than that, actually, there was four points in it in the end. We could have actually done when they were. They went on and actually won the All-Ireland that year. So we had a very strong team. And uh, I think we were probably one of the first teams from Westmead to get that far. And not that it's a regret, but is that something maybe you wish you could have done? As obviously you said, go further in the club championship. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I would have liked to have won a Leinster with the club because at, at the end of the day, the club is where your heart is. It's, mm. the, you know, to me, it's always been the most important team for, that I played for. Um, I've met some of my best friends with the county, but uh, your club is where your family, it's where you grow up, it's where I played uh, football in my championships with my younger brother David and, you know, with a player I grew up admiring, which was Martin Flanagan as well when I was growing up and I got to play with him too. Uh, so I say the club meant so much to me and I was, my grandfather was heavily involved in it as well, so it became a family kind of thing. Yeah, are you still playing with them now? I'm oh, still playing, yeah. We've, yeah, yeah. We've been in six finals. We've only won two, though. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how are you keeping yourself in terms of the club there? You're talking about, so what is the club? I mean, you can't do any training at the moment. He's doing anything on, like, the Zooms and stuff to keep fit? Or is it yeah, just well, a it's, break? Well, 
yeah, it's, like it is very difficult at the moment. But I was always an individual that did a lot of training myself anyway. So what I do, I get out, I run on the roads, I get down to any bit of grass I can, I train when I can. And yeah. I've always done that. But we have groups set up and the senior players in the groups take control of, I suppose, three or four lads. And we kind of monitor each other and make sure we get good sessions done. And just be ready in case, by a long shot, there is something around the corner that allows us to play a bit of football this year. Sure, yeah. What do you think? Do you think we get back at all? I'm optimistic, but at the yeah. same time, I'm realistic. So I have to, I suppose, see whatever the government decide to do and, uh, and go with it. Um, at the end of the day, football is a sport. Uh, lives are what matter. And at the end of the day, I'd rather not play football and have my grandmother around and my, sure, my yeah. parents around, you know. Fingers crossed, and uh, just t- just touching back on Westmead there. I suppose Paddy left after after a season, didn't he? Um, yeah, well, the following season, I think we went out. We bowed out to um, Clare down in Ennis, and uh, I think he went that year. Was, yeah. That was it. But it was a huge commitment for him. He was travelling up and down Kerry two or three nights a week, and like you know, it was phenomenal for him to have to have done that. You know, and obviously in the years since, kind of. Is it fair to say maybe Westmead? I always see them as a county. They probably never lived up to their potential as the players because he's always had so many good players. Um, would it be maybe littered with inconsistencies? Would that be something that maybe disappointed yourselves? Yeah, I suppose after all four, um, a lot of the players I spoke about, you know, Rory Connell and you know Brian Morley and players like this, they, they just left the scene. So Westmead lost some of the best players they ever had, um, mm. and. You know, we did struggle for a while. We went through a transition period, but in 2008, we came back strong. Um, I think, actually, Tyrone put us out. They ended up winning the All-Ireland that year. We got yeah. two lads, got All-Stars that year. So, um, you know, we did get back to that level. But again, we are a small county, and uh, yeah. Yeah. there's only so long you can kind of keep that level of intensity and without losing players. And I suppose that was our next best big year until, yeah. I suppose, the year we... Uh, Got to the count or the Leinster final again under Tom Cribben where we beat Mead. Yeah, and that was described that game because I was there, but to play in it, it must have been some game. Yeah, <laughs> I remember just I had struggled. I broke my hand earlier in the year that year, so I was only coming back from injury, and uh, I was I suppose I was left with maybe ten minutes in the tank to play. You know, and the ten minutes was coming to that. Well, I thought 10 minutes was coming. Um, Tom calmed me down with about 25 minutes to go. And he says, he says uh, we're eight or nine points down. He says, go out and do what you can do. Try and uh, try and salvage something here. And I think the first ball I got, I was blocked down, but a 45 came off it and uh, Charlie kicked it over. The next ball I got, I seen Kieran Martin and I knew the form he was on. I got it to him. He stuck it in the back of the net. Before we knew it, we were right back in it. The confidence was raised. And then... Um, the training that was done that year was phenomenal and it showed in the last 20 minutes. You know, we, we really, really dug deep and we covered every grade of pro part of the And you know, I wasn't surprised we got the result in the end. So, Tom Cribben, like he had reasonable success with Westmead, he got to a couple of Leinster finals. Uh, what's, what sort of manager was he? Like, was he... Yeah, he was, for me, he was a very unusual manager um, in regards that he played, he came in with a, a mentality of uh, playing certain players in certain positions that he felt would benefit the team 
Whereas we would have been kind of used to playing with, you know, if you were a forward with your club and that's what you were doing well, that that's what you'd be doing with the county and you worked on that. But he looked at players' attributes and um, he tried to get the best out of them to play a system that he wanted to play. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he got my speed to a couple of men's finals. So, you know, he deserved due credit for that. And he got a little bit stick, if I remember correctly, just for how he set up in one of those finals against Dublin. Um, obviously, you know you've been in them, you've played in them. Um, what's, the Leinster Championship must be so difficult to play in there with Dublin's dominance. Like, does, it, does it take a lot of motivation to keep going in those games? Yeah, well, look at it. There's no, there's no worse place to be than being in Crow Park um, and getting absolutely annihilated by, by Dublin because... Even when, I suppose, they do take the foot off the pedal, whatever player takes his foot off the pedal, they're bringing another player. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, that's a former footballer of the year or an all-star. <laughs> and he's out to prove his worth again. So, you know, he's nearly out of the frying pan and into the fire. And, uh, like, it's, it is a very, very tough place. And I can understand um, Tom's thinking playing against Dublin because they were so far superior than any other team in the country, never mind Leinster at the time. And he was just trying to make us competitive. But I've always said it, I'd rather go up there and lose by 50 points and not go and try and win the game than go up there and try and, you know, just keep the score down. So for me, that was a very disappointing part of playing football during that time. Yeah, so you would have rather just to go out and see how you get on? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, what, what yeah. I always found against Dublin was um, Dublin never set back and played defensive systems. So... Mm. Like um, for a forward, if you got a ball, you were taking on your man, and uh, yeah, if you beat him, you're in for a score, you know. And I always felt against Dublin, I played well because I only had to beat who was marking me, you know. Whereas I suppose you were playing other teams that were, I suppose, the same level as you. They were playing systems as well, and if you bet your man, you normally had to beat a wing forward as well and a midfielder that were sure. fitting into slots into different positions. So it was. Uh, I used to enjoy playing Dublin and uh, a lot more so than I did, I suppose, other teams that were around the same level as us. Were they the best team you've ever played against? But by far, by far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I just uh, put into context, I remember, I suppose, at that stage, I was 34, 35, and I had 14 years under my belt, but I remember coming on that day against Dublin and Jack McCarthy got a ball and Jack McCarthy got a ball and he ran down the wing no, I was in after coming on <laughs> and I gave it everything to stay with him. And he got down, set up a lad, turned around, kicked the score. I couldn't catch my breath. I turned around, I looked, and he was back where he started. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew uh, I knew these boys were a different uh, animal altogether. Oh, I was McCaffrey's wishing I was 20 animal. years younger again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> McCaffrey's a different animal as well, in fairness. But he just is, on that, yeah. yeah. The Leicester Championship, though, like, do you think they, they, it's going to be hard for them to keep it up the way it is, isn't it? Like, I mean, Counties are, I just can't understand how counties could keep the motivation up knowing that Dublin are so strong. Yeah, and like if you get to, I suppose, if you get the side that Dublin aren't in and you get to a county or a Leinster final, it's not really an achievement because nine times out of ten you're beating a Division 4 or a Division 3 team to get there. Mm. So, like, once you get there, you know that there's a good chance you're going to get annihilated. Mm. I don't know what the, the answer is to solve it. I don't even think splitting Dublin in two would do it because in they're the second team. <laughs> yeah, splitting in four. <laughs> they could still hammer most teams, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so it's a very tricky situation, but I suppose that's the juggernaut that Dublin is at the moment. And it's not just the Leinster that they're doing it uh, nationwide at the moment. 
True. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose Dennis he had a great career. Eleven goals, two hundred and thirty-one points I read for Westmead. Was it just the body was saying enough is enough in twenty seventeen? Yeah, it was I suppose it was after the county final. It was half time of the county final, uh, playing with the club and I just remember my back was seizing up and I I remember looking around the dressing room going, I think this is it, you know, because I had never felt that way in a dressing room at half you know, at the end of a game, never mind at half time. And uh, I knew then at that stage, at club level, if I'm feeling this way, at county level, I wouldn't be able to sustain another year. And I put a lot of, I suppose, time into it. I put a lot of mileage up. And I suppose over the years, being a forward, it took a lot of abuse, you know, physical abuse. And uh, I suppose the body was telling me it was time to, I suppose, hang up and uh, spend more time with my wife and my kids, I suppose. Dennis, I'm 25 and I feel like that. <laughs> well, I felt like that at 25 as well. <laughs> I was, how, how do you reflect back then on your on your county's career? Like, what are your best memories? Obviously, the well, I suppose the, the obvious ones would be, I suppose, beating Mead and I suppose beating Dublin in 2008 in the league final was a great one because I don't think you know we won a better league. You know, that was the highest league we'd won with mm. Westmead. Uh, we bet Kildare, I suppose, for the first time in a league match as well. But uh, nothing compares to winning the Leinster. Like uh, it's just something that every day, it just you think back of it, and it seems like it just happened, you know. And I think, especially in Westmead, where we hadn't achieved anything at senior level, you know, it's still something that uh, the people of Westmead are very proud of, you know. And I just extremely grateful I was involved in it. And would coaching, coaching, or management, or anything like that, something that interested you down the line? Oh yeah, 100%, you know, and I suppose I've been under probably the top club manager in, I suppose, Westmead and Offaly, which would have been Pat Flanagan. I got to be mm. under him as well, and I got to work under some, um, Paddy and Tomasa Flaherty. So I've worked under some of the greatest managers that have been in around the Westmead circles over the last number of years, and I've picked up an awful lot of, um, I suppose, their attributes and skills, and it's something, I suppose, that I could add my own little bit to it that uh, I can maybe perhaps in time start helping other teams and get involved with teams. But at the moment, I'm still playing with the club and I want to give 100% to that. But when that's over, it's definitely something I'm going to, to get involved in. Yeah. And I'll, the last one for me, Dennis, uh, I've asked a few people, is the best player you've played against and the best player you've played with of your career? Yeah, well, definitely the best player I played against uh, was Matty Ford. Um, yeah. I've said it before. He was, it was only uh, only played against him the once. It was in 04. He was marking a two-time All-Star, the best defender I'd ever marked, which happened to be a Westmead man in John Kane. And you know he made enough ordinary. He was kicking points from all angles. And I remember thinking to myself on the far end, it's, it was like he was playing a computer game. It was unnatural what he was doing. And uh, the best player I suppose I played with, I'm. I, I don't want to offend anyone, so I'm going to try and keep that one to myself. But okay, <laughs> I, I'll, say, I'll just say I play a lot of golf with him. Okay, <laughs> I'll say nothing else to know himself then. <laughs> uh, Dennis, that was brilliant. Thanks very much for doing that. No, no worries, Michael. Anytime. Cheers. Bye bye. God bless. Bye bye.
thanks for listening in and don't forget to follow the Mick and Max GA football podcast on Instagram, Twitter and we are on Spotify.